Welcome to the Prince Daniels Jr. Show. I created this podcast because I understand that we are all spiritual beings having a human experience on a journey to learn more, discover a deeper, more meaningful purpose in our lives, our why. I will be interviewing some of the most accomplished individuals in the world that have achieved a high level of success and have learned how to maintain it. I will also be sharing my stories and insight as part of my more than 10-year relationship with a monastery as a former NFL running back, thought leader, and author. And so now, let's elevate together. What's going on, everybody? This is Prince Daniels Jr., and welcome to the Prince Daniels Jr. Show. Look, when we talk about clarifying our vision, we have to mention my next guest. She was one of my business coaches, and she is very creative in her approach to business. Look, she believed in me when I was fixated on focusing on three things at one time in business. When all of my previous business coaches will always tell me I need to focus on one thing. This individual told me that, Prince, you're not crazy. You just need to focus on and figure out what's that one thing that you want to prioritize. After that, my business exploded. And I'm still doing those three things at one time. She has went on to do a TEDx talk. And pre-COVID, she was running one of the largest TEDx programs on the East Coast. So today, she has donated some of her time to speak to us. So without further ado, I would like to introduce to you Dolores Hirschman. How are you doing today, Dolores? I am doing so well. I'm so honored to be talking on this podcast because I remember we were dreaming about this together <laughs> about a year ago. <laughs> yes, we definitely were. <laughs> and so now it's here. I know. Yeah. I, think, I think we had booked you like in December of last year. And now yeah. the day has finally come. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, so, Dolores, so like I, I want to jump into. Talking about you personally, because I know you from a business standpoint. And, mm-hmm. and, but before we, we jump into the personal side of you, I want to just talk about at least some of the things that you're doing, you know, as a business person, uh, as a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. You're helping successful professionals become leaders in their field mm-hmm. and, and clarify their idea worth sharing and become speakers, authors, and take their message to larger audience like TEDx and, and beyond. And you've written a book called New Beginnings, which I'm going to ask you about later. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things is your being, being on stage and being able to have an opportunity to speak in front of an audience pre-COVID you know, uh, at a TEDx, um, so I, I I want to start off with that and, and ask you, how did you get involved? One, when did you know that you were ready to speak? And what was the process like to deliver um, a speech and then the post speech? Yeah. So, so I was, so I, 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 I mean, I'm going to summarize it as best as I could, as I can, but I think it all started with my 
midlife 38-year-old crisis. And I'm I'm 48 right now, so I'm, <laughs> we can talk in a few years and I'll have my 50-year-old crisis. But <laughs> back then, I was having my 40-year-old crisis, trying to figure out myself. I went back to school, studied coaching, and I became a life coach or executive coach. Now, by then, I had also about 15, 20-year career in marketing and communications. So I had, I'm here like two years into my new business, uh, becoming a life coach. I'm happy and I'm coaching with people. I pretty much realized what I had intended to do and I was bored. And, and that's a problem. When I'm not engaged, it's a problem. So, so I asked myself, and this is something that I've, I, I, I ask all my clients many times, um, and I think I probably asked you at some point, it, and I asked myself, what would I do for free all day long? And the answer to that question was, I would hang out with people with really big ideas who want to change the world. And that's how, that's the journey, if you want, the path that took me to deciding to organize and lead one of the biggest TEDx events here in the East Coast uh, in Massachusetts. And so for three years, I was in charge of, with my team of, of, of pretty much putting an event for 1,200 people uh, where we were curating, selecting the best speakers for our stage. And I was the main MC and, and, and you know, I had a role there. Um, and it was at the same time as I was getting these people on stages that I, that I had begun my own personal speaking career on behalf of my company. And I, I'll never forget my first speaking engagement because it was brutal. <laughs> this was probably, you know, sometimes you are asked to do something and you say, I'm a yes kind of person. Like, I was like, sure. Like, I love the adventure and the challenge. So I was asked by a client. This is, we're talking 2014, I think. This client was a wonderful client of mine. And she's, she was a coaching client. It was a life coaching client. And she said to me, would you speak at an event that I have uh, in a couple of months? I have a small budget, but I can pay you. and at the time, she says, I'm going to pay you $1,500 for one hour talk. And I was thrown off because I was like, oh, wow, that's <laughs> that's very generous, right? <laughs> I mean, you've never spoken, you've never been paid to speak. To be offered for the first $1,500 was a lot of money. Right. And so I, uh, I, I studied and I prepared and I remember driving to the place. It was a two-hour away and I was staying in a hotel. And I literally memorized this talk and it was perfect. Like grammatically it was impeccable. It was the most beautiful script, right? So I'm driving the car and I'm playing it in, 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 in the, in the, in the car and, and, and really rehearsing and memorizing it. I get on stage. I forget one word and I literally, you know, Prince, you know, (laughs) I'm an extrovert I, I I think on my feet, you know me, I'm pretty right. I'm pretty fluid, right? Right. Because I had rehearsed word by word, mm-hmm. I froze and it literally felt like I had two hands holding my throat, choking me. Mm. My mouth went dry. I probably went into full stress mode. Like I I I, I was about to start crying. What happened was, and this is, I'm going here, Prince, because I think there's a misconception on the speaking space of, you know, having that perfect talk and memorizing it. What memorizing does is memorizing actually 
disempowers you when you are on stage. Because if you forget one word, you freeze. Right. Um, so that was the lesson number one I learned. That was lesson number one I learned. And then, so that, that, was, that was my beginning of speaking. So when I became a TEDx organizer and I was preparing all my speakers for the stage, I was mother smart enough because I had had that experience. And I, and I started developing this process to help people write their talk and deliver it with rehearsing the talk versus memorizing. Because mm. one of the things that I've learned over the years is that when you're a speaker, you're always delivering two messages. You're delivering one message with your voice and with the words that you use, like whatever you say. And the other message, and you are very familiar with this, Prince, is the body language mm-hmm. and the energy that your body, that your being is releasing in that moment. So think about it. If you are, if you've memorized a talk, you have an integrated into your being because it's really being delivered from your head word by word. Right. But if you've integrated the talk and you've rehearsed it, you can fully embody that talk. And chances are you're going to remember 90% of it, but you're not necessarily going to remember it word by word. You're going to remember it thought by thought, Mm. point by point. So you'll be able to stand on a stage and be at peace with the experience. You're going to take a big breath and every breath will give you the energy and the clarity to deliver your message. And and that's what a lot of the work that I do with some of my clients who say I want to speak, I get them to write the talk of their life. We co-create it. I don't write for them. We co-create it. It has to be their words. Nice. And once we co-create that, I teach them how to integrate them, integrate the talk into who they are. So there's a full body experience, word and body and energy match. Wow. That is so beautiful. Wow. <laughs> wow. This is how we start to show off. I love this. This is <laughs> this is it. <laughs> so wow, that, that you are a master in clarity, especially when it comes to speaking on stage and that body language, that's the first language that we all speak before we actually mm-hmm. verbally started speaking. Anything comes out of our mouth. Mm-hmm. Even just from meeting um, our spouses, meeting someone, you know, it's the body language that you resonate with and that you're attracted to. And then afterwards, then you 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 start speaking, wanting to hear the intellect side of the other individual and you find more attraction in that manner. So thank you so much for sharing that. And so you have all of this knowledge about these things that people fear the most. You know, they say that, that, Public speaking is is one of the things that people fear the most, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's it's before death, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, <laughs> I had the experience of fear. Trust me, I wanted to <laughs> run away that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it. I believe it. But like, how did you get to this point of being this strong individual? Like, who is the Lord? Where is the Lord from? Um, 
you you have an accent and it's thick mm-hmm. and it's it's a beautiful accent and and it's some something that you should definitely be proud of i know you are mm-hmm. but it's it's like where are you from who are you how did you grow up what was your upbringing like like how did you become the the chief in mastering helping people master their clarity yeah so i am from argentina so my first language is spanish and i uh <laughs> Um, I, I, when I graduated from high school, I wanted to be an actress, um, Mm. or a film director. And my dad was like, that sounds great. Why don't you go to business school and then we can talk? Um, I was a tap (laughs) dancer and I laughed to be musical. So at the core Prince, I'm a creative and I'm always, I'm grateful for my father kind of some ways forcing me to go to business school because as a creative business school, allow me to have a framework in which to funnel my creativity. Uh, because at the core, I love, I'm a visionary. I, I can see where things can go. And I've been this way all my life. I mean, people um, would come, my friends and family would, would come to me when they were like trying to make a decision and not sure which way to go. So I've, I've been this kind of clarity person for many years without knowing. And and in my, you know, so I came to the U.S. My, I, I came to the U.S. because I met my husband in Buenos Aires. It was a blind date. It was never supposed to be a, a real date. Uh, but we met December 21st, and seven months later, we were married. Um, and I came to the U.S. I was about 25. We have four children. Uh, I started multiple companies until my 40s, 40-year-old crisis when I turned 40. Um, and, and the truth is, Prince, that at, at my core, I'm driven by creativity. I'm driven by a sense and a hunger for adventure. And I'm driven by this hunger to, you can call it achieve or lead or just explore things that feel like a challenge. Let me give you an example. Um, as I gra- was graduating from university, I decided, because I don't know why, um, that I would spend three months living in the jungle doing community work with a British group. Now, I'm from Argentina, right? And so my dad is like, I don't even know where <laughs> Malaysia is. I'm, I'm not giving you a penny. And my mom, who's more adventurous, she's like, uh, well, sounds like a little crazy. And I I'm going to put this in context. I'm much older than you. I, this was 1997. There were no cell phones or email. No, 1996. 1996, I'm sure. So I was literally proposing to my parents I was going to move to the jungle in Malaysia with a group of strangers and do community work for, for the sake of just doing it. There was nothing that was forcing me to do it. Um, and I did. And for the first two weeks, I cried every day. Um, and then one of the organizers said to me, look, you don't have to stay, you know, you don't, if if you're miserable. And I was, um, I also had an ear infection. I was living in a hammock between two trees, eating porridge and packaged food on an open fire. Okay. So, and my bathroom (laughs) was a river. Wow. And, And the only form of communication was second world war crank up radios. 
that we would we would we would say uh where was it charlie copy charlie bravo um <laughs> but uh at, at the two-week mark this this the team said look you know you, you can go like you don't really have to suffer and i sat there with that decision and i asked myself who would i be if i stay who who could i become if i stay and who would i become if i leave because that moment was, do I overcome my misery? Obviously, I had an ear infection. I needed medicine, and I got that. You know, that was easy to fix relatively. Uh, but, but I had to ask myself, do I stay in the experience and the challenge, or do I parachute out? And I, again, there was nothing holding me there. I could have gone home and have a posh life. It was good, all good, right? But that moment. I decided to stay in the struggle or to stay in the misery because I knew intuitively, and I am very intuitive, I knew that just surviving the jungle was going to equip me with a set of tools that I would never uncover, or I would with many years later, that I wouldn't uncover if I quit. And so who is Dolores? I stay in the challenge. and. But I don't stay in the challenge to suffer. I stay in the challenge to discover who I can become. And in that process, I literally look for the fun. Some people say look for the light. I look for the fun. And 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 the last, so I was there for three months. This was the first two weeks. So the last, the next, you know, whatever, 10 weeks of that experience, were probably the most fun, most challenging, most exciting weeks of my life because I chose to see the fun in everything. And I chose to put things in perspective, understanding that even if I was miserable for a couple of nights living in the jungle between two trees, you cannot beat that story when I tell them when I tell it to my grandchildren one day. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Stay in the challenge for the fun, not for the yeah. light, but for the fun. <laughs> yeah, and find the fun. Yeah. Find the fun. That is so amazing. Like, so you, you mentioned your, you, me, and your husband, which you both met on my birthday, which is the winter solstice, December 21st. That's so, funny. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. Uh, so, and and it, and it led to just a date to him becoming your husband and you having four kids. And yes. you said, "Stay in the challenge." Uh, was <laughs> that was, <laughs> was that the challenge? Go and have four kids and and be married <laughs> to this amazing uh, individual and and find the fun in that. And if so, you know, because you have a lot of listeners that say four kids wow like how do you find the fun in that challenge like, <laughs> can you explain it uh was yeah. it planned out or was it something that just it, it was a blessing yeah so um so i did so let me give you some timing because it's relevant to this conversation i came back from the jungle literally let's say november 22nd it was about that date um, I met my husband December 21st, so about 30 days later, <laughs> and and July 19th of 1997, we got married. You know, when I left the jungle, they said, you've been through a big experience, 
be kind to yourself in your re-entry. And by the way, don't make any drastic decisions for these six months for many reasons. One is the experience. Second, you are on malaria medication, which messes with your head. You know, just chill, like the, like like lay low. And uh, I was engaged before the six months were over, and I was <laughs> married a month after the deadline of the six months. So, but 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 so moving from the city of Buenos Aires to Suburbia, Massachusetts, beautiful place by the water. You would think that's bliss. Well, as a 25-year-old, I cried. I cried in the jungle for about two weeks. I cried in Massachusetts for about two years, now that I think about it. <laughs> um, so, so and mostly was more about, my, you know, I, I came as a 25-year-old with no connections, no friends, uh, and I moved from a city to a suburbs. So that's really a bit, pretty drastic change for anybody anyway. Um, but I found the fun and I, and I found things to do. And I started building my, my, my profession and, and, and my social group. And I've, I always wanted to be a, a mother. That was never a question. So, so I was excited when, you know, my son was born and, um, and then I was excited when my daughter was born about, you know, 20 months later. And then there was just something inside of me, something that I believed that I was going to be a mom of four kids. So when my third child was born, my husband said, well, I think we're good. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. And of course, it was crazy. Um, and actually, my, my fourth child is uh, probably hearing me talk about this because we're in, in, in a small condo in Vermont. But I just knew that I was going to be a mom of four. I mean, it's, I can't explain it um and so we had our four kids in six years um but i knew when my last child was born that i was complete now that that the party just began like when he showed up <laughs> i was like oh my god uh but but it is true prince and you have two kids but it's true what they say raising a child is really really hard Racing two is a little easier than one, right? Would right. you agree with that? I would, yes. Well, racing four is so much easier than racing one. Four <laughs> 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 two. <laughs> uh, no, they're good kids. No, I think I think I and this is an important conversation for for any parent, and is that for me being a mom was was something I always wanted to do, and it was something that I, I have loved every moment of it. And that I wanted to to be as present as possible, but but to be honest, Prince, I love to work. I've always loved to work, mm-hmm. and I love to add value. So even when my kids were little, I always worked. So I worked for a nonprofit for seven years while my children were young, and when my third child was born, I quit because I just didn't have the bandwidth. And I lasted about nine months without working when I started my first company. Um, and I started a clothing company for with a friend. And then I started a language school because, as my mother said, can you just hire a tutor to, to teach your children Spanish? No, I had to open a school with six teachers <laughs> and 150 kids and three languages. And, of course, a partnership with Rosetta Stone. Um, 
<laughs> and then I opened, and then I opened a software company, and then I turned thirty-eight, and I looked at my resume, I looked at my LinkedIn, and I said, "I've done a little bit of everything, and I can't even tell you what I do." Um, <laughs> and, that's, and that's when I went back to school for coaching, and kind of that helped me kind of bring it all together. But 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 at my core. I love adventure. And and when I work with my clients, you know, when you and I work together, what I love the most about my work is that each one of my clients that start working with me is a little Malaysia for me. It's like an adventure because I look at one of my clients and A, I look for what is possible for them. Simply, you know, I'm just on my own. I look at my clients as what is the biggest version of them or their project that is possible? Once I ask myself that question, I start seeing it for them. And once I seeing it for them, I, to be honest, Prince, I don't reveal what I see to my clients right away because I would scare them away. Right. Right? You know, you can only take your biggest vision on, you know, on baby steps. <laughs> correct, correct. Uh, um, and so, but once I start working with a client, I see that vision, we start working towards it. It's just one of the things is for me, yes, I'm playing marketing strategies and communication strategies, but at heart, I'm a coach. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm going to ask you this question, you know, a year, you know, you've been in this project for a, a while now, and this 2020 was a really big year for you in advancing in your program and in your, in your, in your goals. Like the prince I'm talking to right now is not the prince that I would have had a conversation with last January. Correct. You correct. have evolved. And so <laughs> the, 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 any project we embark on, whether it's business or being an athlete in a, in, a, in a team or going to Malaysia or being sick, right? Any of those moments in our lives, those are opportunities for us to explore who could we become? Who can we become if we see this through? If we commit to this business and do what we need to do, who will we be at the end? Of course, it's, oh, we're going to be doing all these things. We're going to have all this either money or success or fame or whatever. And that's all wonderful. But, uh, but there's an incredible experience that is only internal and intimate to you that you can't even predict that's going to happen until you see yourself through. Uh, when we first started off, when you were my business coach, prior to that, I had several mentors and some coaches that I would work with, but I could never resonate with them. And my vision was too big for them. And you were the first person that yeah. wrangled everything in for me and said, no, it's possible. And I was like, this is the person I need to work with because yeah. just hearing those words was extremely fulfilling it was daunting because in my head i was thinking like I, I i know i have a big vision but why isn't any coach telling me that it's possible telling me that i could do it everyone was telling me it was just like well now you focus on too many things and you you shouldn't be able to do this you should focus on just just one thing and in the back of my head i was just it, it was saying no focus on the three things if you feel very confident in doing that focus on it and find a coach uh, that that will help you nurture this mindset that you have and put it in and in, in, in structure it in a business way 
And mm-hmm. you did that for me. And it opened up my mind to making me realize that there are no limitations and uh, the possi- and there are a number of possibilities. So like my growth from when we first started last year to now uh, is exponential and I'm still growing and I, I understand business more, or should I say I have an affinity towards business because you open my, my eyes up to not only for me to accept business, but for business to accept me. Mm, so thank you I love that. that. That's beautiful. <laughs> and oh, thank you for your kind words. And the truth is that I honestly believe, Prince, and I and I actually did an interview with with a woman named Dana Wild, which I follow her a lot. She has a book called Train Your Brain. But and and, and it was just part of the conversation I had this week on my newsletter. You know, success is 80% psychology, and you know this, 80% psychology, 20% mechanics. So you first have to be surrounded by people, whether it's a coach, your spouse, your partner, your team, your assistant, whatever, that at least, whether they understand it or not, that they believe in you to pull through, even if it's all messy or even if you don't know where to start. And 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 good for you, Prince, to find the resource like you said you I talked to other managers but they just didn't you didn't get you didn't have the feeling that they saw you as a person that could pull it off and it only takes one person to believe in you for you to believe in yourself to keep moving forward and here's the thing I learned my lesson very early I am totally in awe of what people can create Mm-hmm. And I will never say that you can't because it's not for me to say. Mm-hmm. Any any one of my clients can achieve anything they want. So can I, if I believe I can. So if the only thing I do for my clients is be, is be either the first person or one more person that believes that you can, then I'm grateful for that role. Wow, that's so awesome, and <laughs> I'm grateful for you. So I, I, I don't believe in coincidences. Everything happens in the way that it's supposed to, in all divine order. So it was perfect for the universe to connect us and lead me to to the pathway and my journey to uh, to connect with you. So thank you so much for you being who you are. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, which 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 allows me to say that. I see you as a very successful person and I want my audience and our listeners to see you in that same light. You know, how has your definition of success uh, revealed itself to you? Like what's your definition of success? Uh, So yes. And, and there's many layers and you guys can't see this, but I am, um, at my desk, uh, sitting by the fire in Vermont, where we ski. And, and why I bring that in is, and, and as I was driving up, we actually drove up last night with my kids, and I was just thinking to myself, boy, am I lucky, because I love to work, but I get to work however I work, wherever I want to work. And so 
honestly, friends, the definition of success is to be able to wake up every morning excited about what you're going to do that day. You can have a little bit of money in the bank account, a lot of money in the bank account. I don't care, honestly. As long as you're not suffering, as, as long as your financial situation doesn't make you stressed and you're sleeping tight, you can have $10 million, you can have $100,000, you can have whatever. It doesn't matter. But to wake up every morning and know that you're going to, like my days are pretty packed these days. Uh, but everything's fine. Like if my days are packed with conversations like I'm having with you, which pretty much they are, um, this is not work. This is just fun. So, so, so success is when you can live your life without A, taking yourself too seriously, B, consistently having fun, and C, having an impact. Nice. So would you say that's how you maintain it? Maintain your level of success is by having fun? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to have fun. Um, because <laughs> if I don't have fun, then everything falls apart. Like, you know, you know, at this point, my business has grown. I have a big team. Um, I need to be on top of things. Um, um, and if I'm not having fun, this would be a job. And I don't want a job. I've never wanted a job. I don't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah, it's you're 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 more uh, able to work if you if your job is fun. You know, you you you're willing to show up because now you know it's not work. And when we associate the word work with anything, it's more like a chore to us yeah. or or obligation. Yeah, right. we don't want to do it. <laughs> we do not want to do it exactly. And you were talking about psychology, you know, when it comes to success, and and then you know the eighty percent is psychology and the twenty percent is belief. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you have to believe that you can have a job where it's fun and yeah. that you are are having a good time. And when that happens, I believe that your your vision and your clarity uh, it re re reveals itself, and yeah. you do a great job of doing that. So we, we we spoke about you actually going to a jungle and, mm -hmm. and 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 spending your time there and crying for two weeks and then making it up in your mind that this is what I want to do. We also spoke about you being with your husband and you had this feeling, I guess this intuition about having four kids. You know, does are, are you big on intuition? And if so, are you a, are, are, are we spiritual beings having a human experience or are we human beings having a spiritual experience? We definitely are spiritual beings having a human experience. Absolutely. We are, I think we are spiritual beings who show up this moment, this time for, and we have a mission. And it's like, you know, and 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 the beauty is that we have freedom to accept the mission. It's just like Mission Impossible, you know, you get that piece of paper or that thing that self-destructs. You say yes or you say no, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and when we choose to say yes, we begin a walk where if we really anchor ourselves in in this in this belief, right? And it's a belief, and I, and I remind myself of this. When you anchor yourself in this belief that we're still to being having a human experience, um, then everything that shows up is for us, not to us. The good and the bad. 
everything that shows up is in service of the journey that we have said yes to. And so one of the things I've started practicing over the last few years specifically, Prince, is that, yes, I'm really big on intuition. And I would say 99% of what I do is on intuition. Um, that's why memorizing stops my intuition if I'm talking speaking. Because I believe that each one of us, when you, we are aligned inside with our message and our mission, wherever we show up, with a, we don't even have to have the right words. Obviously, rehearsing and clarity go a long way. But, but this, this almost like, you know, Prince, you're an athlete. You know, you trained, you practiced, you had the, the game plan. And then you showed up on the field. And in the field, there was a combination of everything you had done before and preparation for that and the intuition of the moment that the ball was going to go left, not right, and then you would do something a little different, right? Right, right. You can't, you can't take one without the other. You have to prepare. You have to do the work, of course. That's our responsibility. That's our human experience part of the responsibility. But, but you do all of that you have to do as a physical being, and then you show up. And you know that when you show up for the field, the stage, the meeting, whatever it is, at that moment, you have to let go. Meaning, as a physical being, I did everything I have to do. I had to do until this moment. Now, I'm a spiritual being at play. I'm literally, I am the best prepared human that I can be, knowing that from this point on, it's out of my hands. Amazing. Uh, amazing. Because as an athlete, I mean, think about it. And I and you're the athlete, I'm not, but don't the best athletes, when you see them on the field, and probably I can ask my teenagers up there who are fanatics, and if they knew I was talking to a football player, it was just the army. Um, but don't the best athletes are an amazing physical being but there's some magic to them yes don't the best athletes show up prepared and ready and attentive and uh, you know ready and then there's a something about them that you can't put your finger to it mm -hmm. that's a spiritual that's them mm. allowing their spiritual being to show up wow Wow, wow. That's never, it. <laughs> I've never said this out loud, Prince. This That's is awesome. me. This is me non-rehearsed. This is me yeah. just saying what's coming up because this is me being in my spiritual side. <sighs> so we are right now, everyone, we are in having a spiritual moment right here, right now with the Lord. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, actually, I have chills. <laughs> I do as well. I do as well. Dolores, so this spirit, so now that we tap into the spiritual side of us, um, and, and we spoke about what spirituality means, uh, can you describe a moment in your life when you knew that there was something out there in the world that was bigger than you and you wanted to live into that purpose? So I didn't share this yet, but when I was 20 years old, actually, I, I think you know this because I, I shared this with your wife. When I was 20 years old, I was diagnosed with a pancreatic tumor. Remember? I talked about this. 
No, I don't remember so, this. Please share. Uh, I was in Argentina and I was 19, turning 20. And I just, out of the blue, whatever, long story short, basically I was diagnosed with a pancreatic tumor. And in Argentina, the gastroenterologist there, uh, I, I, I think I'd mentioned in, uh, with Lebelitz at some point because she's a gastroenterologist. Um, but the gastroenterologist there said, look, we've never really operated on a, on a person that young. And this very high risk. A pancreatic surgery is really risky surgery. So I had to do the surgery in the U.S., in Miami. And it was fine. And I did it. But here's the thing, Prince. My, you know, I have an older brother who's about a year, two years older. He sent me uh, the most loving note I had ever sent. Again, I was 20. He was 21. So when you get a very kind, loving note from your brother who's 21, that's something really bad happening because <laughs> we were always fighting for the clock you know at twenty twenty one, you don't have loving letters with your brother um uh and so i was like okay this is bad it's it's, it's Thomas is writing me this note and my parents i mean everybody really thought i was gonna die and there was something i just i was like i was going with the motion they were telling me to show up here and do that test whatever and i was doing what i was told to do but never not once, Prince, did I ever believe that I was going to die. Ever. Ever. And, and to some extent, from that moment on, and, and you hear this a lot from people who have been really sick, and I kind of experienced this a little bit. If you are told you're going to die, whether it's cancer, whatever it is that you have, and you don't, there's a little bit of a lull there, a moment of a little bit of confusion, depression, struggle. Because if you didn't die, then you almost have to, you now have a bigger responsibility to make the most of your life. Mm. And not knowing what to do with your life can be a very frustrating experience. You and I talked about this, a lot of athletes who have amazing careers, and then for whatever reason they retire or something happens, and then their identity is gone and they just don't know who they are anymore and what their purpose is. And so, so that experience kind of took me to that kind of uh, phase of my life, which eventually led to going to a jungle because I think the jungle is, is related because I think I became pretty much unstoppable after that experience. Um, because I, um, after that experience, I had nothing to lose. <laughs> you go, girl, you go. <laughs> I love so, that. So I just take bigger and bigger challenges. Um, and I show up. And some people say, well, sometimes you show up and you're too generous or you give away too much. Once I show up in a space, I show up. I can't control how much or how little I get. I show up. Wow. I love that. I love that. And I love that you show up because that's you. It's your yeah. presence. It's your presence. Yeah. That's a gift that everybody connects with. And it's that, it, it, it's, it's that, that Dolores energy. That's like, wow, that's contagious. So... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that so much with myself and our listeners. 
Before we close this up, I have one last question for you. If you could give yourself one gift, what would you give yourself? Because you have every I, to me, you have everything. You have the family, you have the, the successful business, you have the life of success. Uh, if there was one gift that you could give yourself, what would it be? It could be time. It could be a lunch with a loved one or a deceased one or someone that's alive. Uh, or do you already have everything that you need? Um, I think if I were to give myself my a gift, I would give myself, uh, you know, you you everybody talks about their strength usually. Um, but for me, one of the things that it's always there and probably keeps me honest and keeps me going is um, the the consistent connection to trusting myself. I'm pretty good at it, but 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 the more I trust myself, the bigger my game becomes, you know, game beyond the game, uh, the bigger game I play. So I think I want the gift to 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 continue trusting my God and myself and playing bigger and bigger games. Nice. That's such a great answer. Such a great answer. Okay, man. I I said that was the last question. And I'm that is, but man, but what's next, <laughs> Dolores? What's next? What do you have in store next for us? And for um, yourself? What's next? It's a good question and I'm figuring that one out. I think part of my access, I'm going to continue to empower really big influencers in making in, in making a bigger impact. One of the things that I, you know, I sold part of my business to a company last year and they are playing big now. So I want to be that person that is a catalyst to ch- change makers, kind of like yourself, right? People who really change the world. And I think what's next, I think I, it's going to be time in the next year to launch a certification to teach people my methodology of coaching and to expand into the Hispanic world. Oh, I love that. If I could be of any help, please let me know. You know, my Spanish is improving and my both of my daughters are fluent in Spanish and my wife is as well. So if we can be of any help, please let us know. We would love I, to. I, I'd love to know, but I so appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. So where where can our listeners find you? Yeah, the best place to find me is at mastersinclarity.com that's my website Masters in Clarity on Instagram Masters in Clarity on Facebook or Dolores Hirschman on LinkedIn just connect on social media or my website and I would love to hear from you nice nice so one of the things that I said earlier is that we want to talk about your new book well about your book New Beginnings but we didn't get a chance to do that so that warrants a number two uh, for Dolores, for you to come back, <laughs> I would love to, and 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 I'll give you a preview on the answer to that. That book, I did not write that book. That book was channeled. I'll tell you more. Oh, yeah, I literally did not write that book. That was in 2011, and it was channeled. Wow! So that was your higher self that wrote the book for you. So yep. that in 30 another, days, uh, 30 days, another spiritual moment. This is amazing. So I cannot wait to speak about that. So we're definitely going to have a part two. So my last thing is, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Yeah, and it's not my words. I mean, this is saying, I mean, Henry Ford 
quoted this is, if you believe you can or you believe you can't, you will be right either way. So simple, so profound, and very strong. Just like Mm -hmm. your spirit and your personality and your presence. Dolores, I thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you for being a great business coach. Thank you for being my business coach and believing in me because that's all that it takes. As you mentioned before, all it takes is one person believing in you. And then you realize that you can do a lot more things. And that is our purpose, helping other human beings evolve. So you are living into your purpose. You are very successful at it. And you learn how to maintain it by finding the fun in it. So I love you for what you do and what you stand for. I'm so happy that the universe has connected us. I am looking forward to part two. Please enjoy your time out there in Vermont, right? Yeah. Uh, Yes, in Vermont, in front of that that cozy fire that I saw when (laughs) we first jumped on (laughs) and enjoying your kids running in and out and your husband as well, just enjoying just life and, and all the things that you've accomplished. And when you get a chance to reflect on it, just remind yourself that uh, you're grateful for the opportunities that became a responsibility. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review. And if you know someone that can benefit from this episode, please make sure you share this with them. We're here to empower you, to educate you, and to give you the knowledge that these successful individuals have experienced so that you can embody their experiences and stories and apply it to your life and become the best version of yourself. My name is Prince. I'll see you for the next episode. Peace.